Welcome to Prison Radio mini-episodes. Prison Radio is an independent multimedia production studio producing content for radio, television, films, and now podcasts. For 30 years, we've aimed to include the voices of incarcerated people in the public debate. This mini-episode continues to chronicle the pandemic as it spread across the U.S. Well, we don't see much because we're locked up 23 hours and 15 minutes every day. That is to say, everybody in prison, all across the state of Pennsylvania, are under this emergency decree of, it was March 13th or 15th. Uh, Ever since then, we've been locked down um, 23 hours and 15 minutes. So you're out of the cell 45 minutes a day. Uh, It can be morning, afternoon, or night. But in that 45 minutes, uh, you got to bathe, you can call a friend or family, you can get on the uh, kiosk, uh, you can clean your cell. Other than that, you're locked in your cell. It's like the whole state is a whole, H-O-L-E now. And that's how it was on death row. That's how it was in the hole. Well, it's like that all around now in the name of health. Uh, we've heard that people have been sick, uh, mostly in Phoenix, which is near Philadelphia. But there have been other outbreaks, but there isn't a lot of coverage of that. Uh, the counties seem to have been getting it the worst. Of course, they're closest to the community. You know, people are coming in and going out. And I'm speaking of staff members, uh, volunteers, visitors, you name it. Uh, but what happens in the counties makes its way to the state. It's just a matter of time. I think mass incarceration has become, I hate to say it, but I believe it, normalized. That is to say, for all intents and purposes, who gives a damn? And, you know, while your family or your loved ones might care, the so-called average American, even the... The average American who is himself locked down in his home or her home, they find this intolerable. They find it outrageous. They're going nuts. But, you know, Pennsylvania, New York under the crazy uh, Rockefeller drug laws, uh, all across the country, you've got millions of people who are locked down, you know, for years in Pennsylvania for decades like Maroon Schultz and other people who've been locked down for decades uh, in solitary confinement. And so, you know, people are getting a taste of this, even though it's a relaxed, distant taste. It's a taste. Because you can't go out when you want to go out. You can't leave. You're locked in. And uh, it's safer, to be frank. And... You know, what we've seen is people kind of burst loose, and I hope I miss my guess. I hope I'm wrong, but I have a sneaking suspicion that we're going to see a second wave in this country, and the fact that it's already the country with the highest number of COVID-19-related deaths tells me uh, we're going to see some really grim days and some really high numbers. Uh, the numbers are jumping. It must be 2,000 a day, uh, 1,300 to 2,500 a day. 
And those numbers are rising. In the last few weeks, they've gone from hundreds to tens of thousands. You know, how does it, how does it roughly, feel, how does it feel to you about the fact that even though a virus doesn't discriminate, we've seen that it right. now does discriminate? Well, because it follows the economic realities of the system in which it operates. That is to say, the people who are um, in touch with the public, the bus drivers, uh, the nurses, many of the doctors, police, fire, a lot of them, especially in the big cities, are black and Puerto Rican. And they're out there, you know, to feed their families support their families, and they're in contact. And many of them have uh, very little protection. Um, they're, they're being treated like, essentially, they call them essential workers, but they're being treated essentially like all workers. They're like, you know, they're like go to work and shut up. They're like disposable workers. They are. So if you really are honest about it, to call them essential workers is a lie. It's like uh, it's like calling a prison a correctional institution. You know what I know, they don't do much correcting here. All they do is harass people and make them worse. Um, essential workers are really disposable workers. They're the people, and you know, and you know, as the news has caught up with that reality, and we've gotten the reporting of, say, 60% of the people who are dying in New York are black and Latino. You've seen other parts of the state, uh, the United States, whiter parts of the state, saying, come on, unlock us, we're not those guys. And we're seeing that. So okay. they're, they're really disposable to the economic and political system. Dennis McKeithen, SCI Phoenix. What's the next step besides just locking us in ourselves because nothing is actually being done if this virus is still coming in here and we've been locked in ourselves, we haven't been going anywhere. So testing should be a priority, at least for the staff. Everybody should be tested that come in here to work because this virus is spreading instead of dying out in here, it's spreading. So will we ever be open back up again? Because every time there's a new uh, positive testing, we get pushed back for easing the prison to some kind of normalcy. It would never be normal as it was, but some form of normalcy, at least to come out for a couple of hours a day or anything. But uh, they're not telling us nothing as far as testing, as far as uh, what's the next step. You know what's the next phase of this thing? What can you know? You know they have a a couple of their uh, favorite prisoners come out to pick up the trash and stuff, and and then everybody else just standing at the door looking out the window like that. Why can't I stretch my day? Like it's 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 it's, it's a miserable situation. You know the only reason that I'm probably not bugging is because I'm used to being locked down. What is Wetzel saying? He haven't even, that's the strange thing, he hasn't been on the TV the past month. Now, before that, he was on there every day. That's why I said the questions got to come from outside. We don't have no voice. They're not answering nothing that we ask. Dennis McKeithen, SCI Phoenix.
my block, which is E block and H block, we were considered the hot zone. That's why we were permanently locked down for 24 hours a day for like 16 days. And after that, we went back to the coming out once a day for 40 minutes so we could take a shower, make a phone call, and send an email. And as of May the 6th, T block, which is the honor block, has been locked down, considered the new another hot zone. And that's the honor block. And 90% of the prisoners on there are elderly in their 60s, 70s, and 80s. And most of them have 30, 40, 50 years in and have pre-existing conditions. And it's a scary thing because we've been sitting in the cells for the past three months. We don't have, or two months, we don't have contact with anybody. We don't have contact visits. We don't go to kitchen, don't go to gym, don't go to yard. So the question is, how is this coming in to affect the guys on the outer block or any other block when we're not going anywhere to bring it in. We're not in contact with nobody but that. So obviously there's no testing going on because there's people walking around with this virus and probably don't even know they got it. And that's why I keep wondering why there's no testing in here like Montgomery County did. Number County didn't know that they had such a high degree of positive cases before they started taking tests. They were just taking temperatures and people was passing that. So it's getting more scary. Like right before we got locked down, we were talking with the state representative Dawkins about the aging out bill. Well, to the the relevancy of the aging out bill is strong because we are the most vulnerable for this disease. Before this virus came, we was in physical class. Now, you can see us because we the ones that this virus is gonna be knocking off. Dennis McKeithen, SCI Phoenix. Greetings everyone. This is your brother Shaka Boomer. Thank you all for participating in this special event. To waste no time, let me get right into it. One of the things I've learned about the Pennsylvania Department of Correction is they are mostly drunk with power and only know their way of doing things, regardless of how impractical. They've been claiming to have taken many precautionary safety measures for COVID-19, yet it's all smoke and mirrors to hide the truth of what's happening inside the prison, which is a flawed strategy to deal with the COVID-19 pandemic in prison. Contradictions and no supervision of prison staff. But to see the truth, you must break their mirrors. Please keep in mind that prisons are already isolated and quarantined by the nature of the institution itself. So actually, prisons could be another safe place from COVID-19 so long as prison staff aren't allowed to come inside and infect anyone. The DOC's strategy and tactics to prevent COVID-19 from entering the prisons were flawed from the start because they should not have viewed COVID-19 as a custody and control crisis, but as a health and safety crisis. Had they used a health and safety viewpoint, they would have saw the need to reduce the number of prison staff allowed to work and restrict guards' contact with prisons, as guards have excessive physical contact with prisons. 
Their primary focus to prevent the spread of COVID-19 should have been to limit guards' physical contact with prisoners and then to provide COVID-19 safety measures among prisoners. Basically, the DOC treated a health crisis as a custody and control crisis, which is why several prisons are now bursting asunder with COVID-19 outbreaks. Nonetheless, the DOC chose and maintained a flawed strategy of custody and control to prevent COVID-19 because it's the DOC's culture to do so. It's all they know. So instead of a strategy to isolate and restrict guards from prisoners, their focus is isolating and restricting prisoners from each other. Yet the clear and present danger is guards transmitting COVID-19 to prisoners. Then there's the DOC's contradictions and no supervision of the rank-and-file prison staff in regard to COVID-19 so-called safety measures. The contradiction is that while the DOC claimed to be taking precautionary safety measures to prevent COVID-19 from entering the prison, they are conducting totally ineffective temperature checks of prison staff entering the prison and are turning a blind eye to the many guards that are not wearing their face masks within prison, which in turn exposes the DOC's failure to supervise its employees during a health crisis. The majors, captains, and lieutenants are not supervising the many lower in rank sergeants and guards to force them to wear their masks while working inside the prison. Prisoners have filed grievances about this issue, but prison video footage is the best and only evidence that is needed. Several actions can be taken about the DOC's snafu of its COVID-19 response. State agencies like the Department of Health and the Human Rights Commission can be made to critically review the DOC for violations of health and human rights. Pressure can be placed on the state's legislature to conduct committee hearings of inquiry on the DOC's handling of its COVID-19 response. Law firms can file class action civil lawsuits against the prison officials on behalf of all the COVID-19 incarcerated people who died and were infected. Community groups can organize a people's investigation and report into the DOC's mishandling the response to the COVID-19 pandemic. And further demands can be made against the courts and the parole board to release more incarcerated persons in response to COVID-19. Let us critically analyze the DOC's decisions and actions and hold them accountable before this COVID-19 reality becomes the new normal. From the belly of the beast at Prison Radio, I am Shaka Boona. Thank you for listening. These commentaries are recorded by Noel Hanrahan of Prison Radio.